0: Follow Me is the third installment in our Life of Christ series. In this series, we are looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus and have our lives reflect His glory. We will be looking at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you are interested in knowing more about Jesus, Christianity, or our community of faith at Christ Church at Grove Farm, I encourage you to reach out to us on our website, ccgf.org. Our pastors and staff would love to connect with you and assist you in your walk with Christ. Here's the message from this week grace and peace to you. Well, Christ Church, I haven't been here for a while, so I just want to say welcome. I want to thank you all for being here. You look really good, by the way. I was out there looking at all of you. How do I look? Oh, just kidding. No, no, no. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I appreciate that. But it's really good to be here with you. And uh, I just really appreciated what Malachi just did. Did you not? Let's just thank the Lord for that. That was good. You know, Pastor John and Pastor Craig are in Germany right now. They're studying the Reformation together, traveling around. I was supposed to go, but I had some knee surgery, so I couldn't be there. But we need to pray for them. That's got a wonderful experience, and we need to remember them. Also, I was out in the cafe. I had some people from the church made a spaghetti dinner out there. And if you can't get dinner right now, you can't stop in, go over and get some extras. I am telling you, the meatballs and the sauce was unbelievable. And I needed it, so I loved it. And I got white pants on, didn't get anything on me, so I'm in good shape. So go check that out. It was amazing. Well, again, it's good to be with you. I've been traveling around a lot doing certain things. It's always to be back home and being with you to preach the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege and honor. Well, today we're going to continue in our series. The series is called The Life of Christ, and it says, Follow Me. We're talking about being righteous, not self-righteous. And in the study we're doing, of course, it's in the book of Matthew, our chapters, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, and then looking at verse 12 together. It's a continuation of a sermon that Jesus is preaching. He's preaching on the north side of the city of Galilee, which is close to his, his headquarters, Capernaum. He's on the hillside. He's preaching to thousands of people. I gave you a picture, and this is a present-day picture of the hillside they believe Jesus was on. If you have a in your bucket list to go to Israel or Rome someday, well, Pastor Craig and myself are going to take a group of you to go if you'd like to come with us, and we're going to go either in 2023 or 2024. We'll give you those dates, but you just put that in the back of your mind. We'll let you know more information as it comes along. But it will be wonderful to have you come with us. It's a great experience. I've been there. Well, the sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very famous sermon and we've been studying it for weeks. But John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church, and he was a tremendous preacher. He preached thousands of sermons, tens of thousands of people he impacted in Europe and in America. In America, he would ride horseback from town to town preaching the Word of God. They called him the second sermon on the mount. All right, I thought it was funny, but okay, whatever. All right, the... we're not talking about the second sermon. on the My kids would say, Dad, that's a dad's joke, man. Don't use that. Sermon is this. Jesus, Jesus is, is explaining to us the very principles and values of the kingdom of God. And in, this, in the sermon, there's a number of different sections, but there are two points that Jesus is making. Love God and love each other. Can we say that? Love God, love each other. He sums up the law in Matthew chapter 22 by giving, giving us the two great commandments. In Matthew 22, verse 37, it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Verse 39 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great commandments. I think it's very interesting that this, the, these teachings are throughout the Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Constantly. The theme, for example, in the Ten Commandments. First four commandments is dealing with our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any graven images. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. The last six are dealing with our relationship with each other. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet. But then we jump into the New Testament, the very beginning of this sermon in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. The first four are dealing with our relationship with God. It says poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger, and thirst. The last four are dealing with our relationship with each each other. Merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted. In chapter 7, in our chapter, Jesus is focusing in on the second commandment, and he says this in verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would like to do, what you would like to have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. What's he talking about? He's talking about the second great commandment, love thy neighbor. So in this passage, Jesus is going to be dealing with how we treat one another, how we love each other, and he starts out with verse one. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Let's stop and pray. Heavenly Father, I want to ask you right now that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, and you would fill me with your spirit, and you would speak through me to, you, to us as your people, and you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be obedient to it. Lord, we're asking you to do a miracle today in our lives, for Lord, we ask these things together. In Jesus' name, amen. That first verse says, do not judge or you too will be judged. This is a very famous verse among us. We, we know this verse, but you know, the world knows this verse very well. As they know it really well. They might not know very many other verses, but they know this one. And they love to quote it, especially to those of us who are Christians. They interpret the verse to say that Jesus is telling us as Christians that we are never to judge. As Christians, judging someone is off limits. Is that what Jesus Christ is teaching here? Because if he is, he's telling us as Christians that we need to go through life and let whatever happens happen and ignore when others are in danger or they're endangering themselves or someone else. So I ask you, is that what Jesus Christ is communicating? Absolutely not. No. Not at all. The world's got that wrong. Jesus is not saying that we are not to judge. He is saying that we are never to be judgmental, and there's a great difference between the two. Let me explain. To clearly understand our passage, we've got to go back into chapter 6 to really understand what's going on in chapter 7. In chapter 6, there's a major theme going through that chapter. Jesus is dealing with hypocrisy. He's dealing with the Pharisees who, who have been very hypocritical. And he takes them on in verse 2, 5, and 16. In verse 2 of chapter 6, he says this, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Going back into our passage, Jesus Jesus gives us an illustration in verses 3 and 5. He says this, why do you look at the speck of the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the blank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Verse 5, you. First take the blank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's clear that Jesus is still running this theme about hypocrisy into our passage. And it gives us great insight in what he's saying to us in verse 1. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. The word judge there in the Greek literally means this, do not judge harshly, self-righteously, hypocritically. Do not judge harshly, self-righteously, or hypocritically. And then it has this understanding in that word. Do not pretend to know the motive of a person when in reality you do not have all the facts. The only one that can do that, to know the motive of somebody, is God. So Jesus is saying, when we're dealing with people Do not treat them harshly. Don't treat them with a self righteous, hypocritical attitude. Don't be like the Pharisees. Jesus is not telling us that we never have the right to speak into the lives of other believers. What he is telling us is that we're never to be judgmental. In other words, Don't be quick to point out everybody else's sin and refuse to deal with your own. Don't be a hypocrite. So Jesus is not saying that we as Christians cannot judge. Matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, Jesus is telling us all the time to use a measure of of judgment when we're dealing with, with certain people in all aspects of life, but especially with certain people. Look what he says in verses 15 and 16 of our passage. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus is saying that you will know them by what? By their fruit. Now I ask you this question. How are we going to be wise in discerning about false prophets unless we exercise some kind of judgment? It's impossible, we can't. So we have to. What Jesus is saying in life you gotta exercise judgment. You gotta assess, you gotta evaluate, you gotta discern situations and certain people. Not only with false prophets, but all aspects of your life. Let's say that a young man comes to your door and he's looking to take out your daughter. And you know when he opens that door that this is a young man has all kinds of issues. And you know it. You know this guy. This guy's in trouble with the police, he's in trouble with, with his family, he's always in trouble. And then when he's speaking to you, you can smell. The alcohol on his breath. And this this is a kid who thinks socialism is just spending a lot of time on social media. I mean, he's just out there. And you kind of look at this kid and say, hey, what are you going to do? You're going to exercise some judgment real quick. You're not going to put your daughter in the car with that young man. So Jesus isn't saying that we're not to judge. He's saying what? We're just not to be judgmental. We're to exercise judgment. We're to evaluate All kinds of situations and all all kinds of people. In other words, Jesus is saying we're not to be self-righteous, but we are to be fruit inspectors. Can you say that? We're to be fruit inspectors. What do I mean? Look at verse 15 and 16 again. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Outwardly, they come across like they're Lambs, sheep, but inwardly they are wolves. How are you going to discern that? What do you have to do? Jesus tells us in verse 16 and 20, He says, You look at their track record, you look at their character. Verse 16, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We're to be fruit inspectors, not judges. You know, I used to tell my kids all the time, you know, pick your friends wisely. Why? Because the word of God says what? Bad company corrupts good morals. So pick your friends real wise. Know who they are. Because they won't ask for permission when they're going to do something bad. They're going to do it and you're going to be standing there. So be wise about how you... Look, when you you go out and you hire people, you're hiring people based on their character, their, their track record. You don't hire people who have a horrible track record. You don't turn over your finances to people who have a bad track. You know, you evaluate, you assess. And Jesus is saying, that's what we're to do. We're to be fruit inspectors. Not judges, not self-righteous people like the Pharisees. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, 7, it says this, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, we're to evaluate the character of somebody. John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Let me ask you a question. Do we ever judge people based on their appearance? Yeah, I've been in, been in the ministry a long time, and yes, we do. Let me tell you a time—a story when I judged my son Joshua based on his appearance rather than his character. My son was young, and he was going through adolescence, and he was going through early adolescence. He was trying to just be his own man, figure out himself, and, he, and the way he did this, he started coloring his hair. I mean, he colored his hair blue, red. Yellow, the spectrum of the rainbow. Every three to six months, a new color. And I kept quoting myself this verse. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And when I looked at the heart of my son, he was fine. He loved the Lord. He was being obedient. He was not rebellious. He was in the word. He was a great kid. When I looked under the hood, he was fine. So I thought, you know what? Hair grows back. I'm going to leave that alone. just trying to express himself i'm not but i am telling you that him coloring his hair all the time that did wear on me (laughs) but being a good parent i understood that you have to pick your battles wisely or you're going to be battling all the time so i knew this is a phase so i'm just going to let this go hair's going to grow back but then one day i went to pick up my son joshua It was his first day of baseball practice. I was running late. I was to pick him up. I got there. I was sitting in the the bleachers on third base. They were all out, and the team was all out in left field. And there they had all, everybody had black hats on, except one boy had a white hat. And you guessed it. It was Joshua. And I looked at that, and I thought, all right, this isn't about adolescence. This kid's in rebellion. I've had enough of this. I'm going to deal with him right now today. So the coach tells him to run back in. All the kids are running right by third baseline. They come at My son looks at me. Hey, Dad. And on the front of that white hat, in big, bold, red letters, it said, Jesus is my boss. Jesus is my boss. I'm sitting there in the bleachers, and I'm smitten by the Holy Spirit. I mean, right there. And these verses come running right back at me. Oh, preacher, you preach these. Here they come. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. I walked over to my son Joshua at the end of the practice. I said, Joshua, how come you wore that hat? He said, Dad, you, you told us all the time. He says, you know what? Don't leave them guessing. <laughs> Raise your flag early. Let them know where you stand. I just wanted everybody to know that Jesus is my boss. Just a matter of fact, Jesus is my boss. I looked at him, I said, son, I want you to know something. I, I really judged you badly today. I thought you were in rebellion And I just ask you to forgive me. Sure, dad. Walks into the dugout. Listen, I was a pretty good fruit inspector for months. But on that day, I was a hypocrite. I judged my son. I didn't have the facts. I didn't have all the information. I just quickly judged him. You know why? Why? Because him coloring his hair was wearing on me. Let me ask you a question Do we ever judge people based on their appearance? Do we judge people based on their age, their gender, an accent, the color of their skin? Whether they're fit or overweight, whether they're attractive or unattractive, do we show favoritism or discrimination against people based on their appearance? If we do any of it, it is absolutely sin. Absolutely. Look what it says in verse 2. In verse 2, it says this, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What Jesus is saying, what goes around, comes around. It's like a boomerang. It just comes around right at you. If you're merciful, God will be merciful to you. If you're unmerciful, God will be unmerciful to you. It's going to come right back at you. You know, remember the book of Esther. In the story, there's a guy, his name's Haman. He's the bad guy. He's heinous, Haman. Then there's Mordecai. Mordecai's the good guy. Haman is planning to execute Mordecai. So he builds these gallows to have him hung. But some things turn around, and the very gallows that Haman made to execute Mordecai, Haman was hung on. Ancient Jewish rabbis used to say to their people, when God judges, he judges with two measures, justice and mercy. And when they would address their people, they would say, when God is judging you, what measure do you want him to use? Justice or mercy? And of course, everybody chooses mercy. Let me remind us, Jesus is saying, The measure you use is coming right back at you. The question is, how are we to judge? That's the question. How are we to judge correctly? Well, Jesus gives us the example. In verse 5, it says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When we approach someone that is caught in sin, The first thing we need to do is look really deep and hard into our own life. And we need to confess sin. We need to repent of it. And once we have been cleansed and we're pure before God, then and only then do we approach our brother and sister. We first have to confess our own sin, deal with ourselves. The second thing we're to do is found in the same verse. It says, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When you understand what God has done for you, that he's forgiven you, he's extended mercy and grace and love to you, what Jesus is basically saying, then what do you do? You, as you've been treated, That's how you would want to be treated? Then you you treat your brother or sister the same way. Look what it says in verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So when you're in sin, do you want somebody to come, really, and condemn you, judge you, bring justice to you? No, no. We want mercy. We want forgiveness. We want grace. We want love. Jesus is saying, yeah, do what I do when I come to you. Look at, look, look what it says in Galatians chapter one, I'm chapter six, verse one, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit, I want you to stop right there and look at that. That's capitalized. That's a spirit. We know we have to live by truth and spirit. Notice that, and God drops out the word truth there. You know why? Because truth is going to, truth is going to judge He's saying spirit. What's the first fruit of the spirit? Love. So let's read it again. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by love should restore the person gently. Gently. So Jesus has made it very clear. When we approach a brother and sister who's in sin, we don't approach him or them like a hypocrite. We don't approach them harshly with a self righteous attitude. We're not there to be the judge and jury. We're not to be there to be self righteous. We're to be righteous. We're coming to that person with mercy, grace, forgiveness, love. We're there to restore them. We're there to restore them, not judge them. God will deal with them the way He wants. Consequences will come from Him. It's not our job. So, let me give you an illustration that hopefully will put this into practice for you. What does this really look like? How's it, how, how do you flesh it out? I had a roommate, he was in seminary. When he first walked in, he was six foot four. He was, dra- he was wearing a black hat, black shirt, black pants, black socks, black shoes. He was a Johnny Cash wannabe for sure. I mean, this guy's all dressed in black. He has a big black trench coat on. He walks in, and I'm looking at him. He looked like one of those guys, you know, those mass murderers from a cowboy movie with those long trench coats on. I was wondering what was behind that trench coat. I really was. And I looked at him, I said, are you my roommate? He goes, yep. Walks over to the bed, one of the beds, whips off that trench coat. Thank God nothing was under there. I mean, he was. He had clothes and stuff, but I mean, you know. But he jumps on the bed. He puts his legs up the wall, and he puts a pillow behind his head. Doesn't say another word to me. I'm standing there going, oh my word, Lord, help me. Who is this guy? Well, quickly, it was amazing. A couple of days, we really became great friends. We did everything together. I mean, we hung out, we ate meals together, we studied together. We, we had a great year in seminary. Then the second year in seminary, I met a girl. Yeah, you know, I started dating her. It wasn't Tammy. I wish it was, but it wasn't. And I was enamored with this girl, so I spent all my time with her. Rather than my roommate. And what happened to my roommate and I, our relationship, when I would come in the room, he would say, Hey, Ed, have you been using my towel? Next day, Hey, Ed, have you been using my toothpaste? Next day, Are you using my soap? He instead started accusing me about all kinds of stuff. And I looked at him and said, Steve, I'm not using anything of yours. This went on for weeks. The tension between the two of us, you could cut with a knife. But the straw that broke the camel's back is when he literally accused me of wearing his underwear. <laughs> Serious. I looked at him and I said, Steve, I'm not a cross-dresser, all right? That's not, this ain't happening, all right? What ended up happening is it became a, a, an invisible line in our, in our room together. I was on this side. He was on that side. We weren't talking. The only thing we were doing was accusing one another. I ended up doing the very thing he was doing to me, I using my pencil. He, it, was, it was like we were children Till finally one night, I, was up on, I slept on the top bunk. He slept on the bottom. I'm hearing him breathe, and I'm saying, this is not the breath of a friend. This is not my roommate. This guy has become my enemy. And I knew it because anger had taken over in my life and in his, and I knew it was wrong. He got up the next morning, so did I. He got dressed, he left. I'm standing in in the dorm by myself, looking out the window, and I said to to the Lord, Lord, Steve's got a major problem. Help me to figure this out. Tell me what the real problem is. I'm going to deal with it. As soon as I said that, I turned around. On the other side of the wall was a mirror, and guess whose image was in it? My own. In this verse, Jesus gave to me the verse we've been studying today. Very clearly, he said to me this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the blank in your own eye? Why are you so quick to accuse Steve and excuse your own sin? I said, man, Lord, okay. I knelt down, I began to pray, and I asked God to forgive me, because I put into practice verse five. It says, take out your plank in your eye, and then you'll see more clearly how to help. That's what they point. Clearly, how to help your brother who has sawdust in his own. See, the point of it is to restore the relationship. You remove your own, you confess your sin, and then you go to your brother. And I said, okay, Lord, Send my brother back. Soon as I got done praying, I tell you the truth, he walked right in the room. When he walked in the room, I got up, I said, you know, God's really spoken to me, Steve. I got to tell you something. He said, you know what, Ed, God really spoke to me. I got to tell you something. I said, can I start first? He said, sure. I said, listen, I am so sorry for how I've been treating you. I've been treating you so badly, so poorly. Forgive me. He looked right at me, he said, you know, God spoke to me too, and I'm just asking you to forgive me for how I've been treating you. We embraced one another, we went to the side of the bed, we prayed literally for about an hour, just praising God, thanking God. The tension was gone, the love of God came back into our lives. You could sense the presence of God, and we were so grateful. And finally I looked at him and I said, Steve, what happened to us? Steve looked at me, he said, you know, Ed, growing up I went in and out of all kinds of orphanages and boarding schools, you know that. And I'm different, I'm weird. He said, I, I, I've tried to change, but I, 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 ha, I can't. And I'm always the brunt of most people's jokes because of it. And then the teachers that I had would always say, you're so stupid. And they'd always use me as the example of what not to do. And they'd always throw me in these closets and it'd be pitch black in there, and I'd be in those closets as a young boy weeping. But then one day God stepped in and really spoke to me, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God loved me. And I've never doubted it since. But I never really had a father or mother ever really embrace me. I never really knew anybody that really cared about me until I met you. And when I met you, I know that you care about me. And what really happened is I became angry and afraid because you were spending all your time with your girlfriend that I was going to lose you as a friend. Now look right here. What would you have said to that man? Let me tell you what I said to him. Steve, forgive me. I've been a horrible friend. I dropped you like a hot potato. I've been insensitive and I'm wrong, but I'm asking you to forgive me, but I'm going to make it right, and I did. We had a great couple years. He graduated. He got married. I was his best man. We knew each other. We spent time with each other, wrote to each other for about 10 years, but you know, we didn't have Facebook in those days. I don't know where Steve is today, and he doesn't know where I am. But one thing I learned from that experience, let me read it to you. And it's this When I am quick to judge, it is often an indication that I should look in the mirror because there's probably a reflection of sinfulness in my own heart. How about you? Be very careful listening to all the social media. Be very careful about how or where this world is going. They hate everyone and everything. We are different. We are the people of God. We extend grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's who we are, because that is who He is. And when we begin to love one another and we cheat, treat each other in that way, not self-righteous, but right, rightless, rightly, rightly, like Jesus, the world will sit up and take notice. They will sit up, and they will take notice. Let's pray together. As we bow our heads, is there anybody or any person or anything? that's coming to your mind that you need to deal with, maybe somebody you've said things to, you've had horrible thoughts towards, attitudes, that you need, just set up an altar right there and just pray about it. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to cleanse your heart. You don't want the measure that you're using coming back on you. Be careful. Make it right. And let me say this. If one of you or two of you, as I've been preaching, are saying, like some of the people at the end of the service last, last time, they come up to me and they said, Pastor Ed, I wish my husband would have been here. I wish my wife would have been here. They really needed to hear that. If you are thinking those thoughts, that's you've missed the whole point of the sermon. We first got to deal with ourselves. What God is saying to us before we start speaking into somebody else's life. Make that right, then go restore. Yes, be fruit inspectors, but never be judgmental. Just spend some time there praying for a moment. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask you today that you would fill us with your spirit, that we will be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece to people around us, but as brothers and sisters, that we will be gentle together, gently ministering to each other, that we'll be kind, that we will be people who are extending mercy and grace and forgiveness and love to one another. And when we see our brother and sister going down the wrong path may we check out our own heart approach our brother and sister to restore them lovingly, humbly restore them because we don't want the enemy to destroy them or their loved ones. Help us to be those kinds of people for that's what you called us to do and to be. We thank you Lord that you love us And you're so kind to us. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue to worship, Lord, again, if there's anything that we need to do, anybody we need to go talk to, don't let the sun go down until we do it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.